This is Betsy Jensen, and you are listening to Unstoppable Body and Mind, Episode 34, Lessons from Nicole Sachs. In this podcast, we learn to upgrade our brain and understand the power of our thoughts to heal and to create the results we want in our life. Become the person in control of your healing and make peace with your life. Become unstoppable, body and mind. Hello, my friends. I am so excited this morning. I have a new microphone and headphones, so I'm feeling really official recording this podcast. And I just attended virtually a retreat by Nicole Sachs this weekend, and it was phenomenal. I am so inspired. I took so many notes, (laughs) and I want to share with you some of the lessons that I've learned from Nicole Sachs. So Nicole Sachs is an LCSW that worked with Dr. John Sarno. And Divided Mind by Dr. John Sarno was the first mind-body book that I really read about a couple years ago. And then just this year, I found Nicole Sachs. She has a podcast called The Cure for Chronic Pain. So if you like my podcast, you should totally check it out. She is very engaging and explains things beautifully. So I'm going to try to explain in my words what I've learned from her. So her program has three main parts, to believe, do the work, and have patience and kindness for yourself. The first part, believe, is basically coming to the understanding that the pain that you feel in your body is not caused by something structural or genetic in your body, that it's caused by your brain. John Sarno first coined the term TMS, or tension myositis syndrome, which is basically our brain's way of having us feel physical pain instead of dealing with emotions. Think about our brains as evolving for survival. And our brains cannot survive efficiently if they are continually focused on emotions. Emotions like anger, rage, sadness, shame, vulnerability, despair, judgment, overwhelm, discouragement. These don't feel good in our bodies. Our brain doesn't think emotions are necessary for survival. In fact, our primitive brain and nervous system actually perceive emotions as a bigger threat to our survival than physical pain. So think about if we were walking around with all of the rage that would come up for us, we might act on it. We might go and punch people. That would not be good for our survival. Think about a new parent that is overwhelmed with, of course, feelings of love, but feelings of being exhausted and being frustrated and being disillusioned and sometimes wishing that they weren't a parent. Those negative emotions, if we felt and acknowledged and acted on them, might not be good for the survival of our species. So some of these emotions are naturally repressed. We're not consciously trying to suppress these emotions. It just happens at a subconscious level. But since our brain perceives these emotions as threatening to our survival, they are perceived as dangerous. Our brain and nervous system have a natural distraction technique when these repressed emotions are threatening to come up, and that's to give us physical pain. Our brain and nervous system feel like it's safer for us to feel physical pain than painful emotions. 
And in fact, neuroscience has found that most of the pain in chronic pain is neuroplastic pain. It's pain that's created in the brain but felt in the body. Neuroplastic pain is a response to fear. So our brain and nervous system are perceiving these repressed emotions as fear. Nicole Sachs often says, the pain is not in your head, but the solution is not in your body. She and Dr. Sarno describe a reservoir of repressed emotions. And remember, this repression happens naturally, and it's a defense mechanism. It would really be impossible for us to feel every single emotion from our day, from our past, from everything going on in the present and in the world. So naturally, we repress these emotions and they go into this reservoir. And when the level of this reservoir of emotions rises and spills over the top, then that's when the brain will send us pain to distract us. Nicole says, sometimes you feel things in your heart and sometimes you feel things in your body and they are all the same. TMS can affect the muscle groups and the body systems. It can include tight muscles, nerve pain, GI disorders, autoimmune disorders, chronic fatigue, allergies or asthma, pelvic pain, circulatory system disorders, skin disorders like eczema, psoriasis, headaches, migraines, genitourinary disorders, heartburn, ulcers, high blood pressure. I even read an article recently that said that chronic stress can lead to the mimicking of neurological disorders like MS, Lyme disease, and even brain tumors. Basically, most of the medical conditions we experience, if they are chronic, meaning lasting more than a few weeks, can fall under the category of TMS. Remember, we know from MRI research that structural changes that we find on MRIs like bulging discs or rotator cuff tears or spinal malalignments or meniscus tears are seen even on people with no pain. So these structural abnormalities are not what is producing the pain for us. In fact, Nicole Sachs has severe spinal abnormalities. She has spondylolisthesis, and the MRI of her back still looks horrible. She said the doctors that see it turn pale, but she has no chronic pain. She has no back pain. So think about how this physical pain serves us. When we have symptoms, we have medical issues, then we become a little bit obsessed with the pain and finding out what's going on, maybe going to different doctors, getting treatments, maybe physical therapy. It gives you a lot to focus on. The pain keeps your brain preoccupied, so you're focusing on the pain, and you're not having to deal with those threatening emotions, which your brain perceives as more dangerous than the physical pain. Sometimes the pain keeps you in bed. Sometimes you don't even leave your house or your room. She says you are safe in the most unsafest way. TMS is a way of avoiding emotions. Things like addictions could even be considered TMS. And resistance to doing the work, which is very normal, is also TMS. So now let's talk about doing the work, part two. What the work is, is giving these dark feelings these repressed emotions, permission to come out. This requires that we slow our thinking. Our head processes things too quickly. So Nicole Sachs coined the term journal speak for this process. 
She says it's like a language that you learn. It works best if you write it or type it, but she has said that you could record it into your phone as you speak or maybe talk in the car or in the shower. She says, when we slow down our thinking, we open beautiful spaces for awakening. Now, as you write in this language of journal speak, you are to do so with brutal honesty. Maybe it's not the truth, like with a capital T, but it is some part of truth to you. It's basically what the selfish, childlike, angry, upset, enraged part of you might feel. The part that we like to deny that we have, those feelings that we feel like we shouldn't have. So we might not want to admit that we wish someone would die or that we hate our children. Because of course, in reality, we don't hate our children, but there's a little childish part of ourselves that mourns that freedom that we used to have or feels like it's not fair and hates the restrictions that we've actually chosen, but it's not as convenient or fun as it used to be. We often hate those parts of us that are weak or disgusting or pathetic. There is a little part of us that has these ugly thoughts things we've been told that good girls or boys shouldn't say or think. And those are the things you want to write about. Imagine it's like you're a five-year-old that's having a massive tantrum. The five-year-old wouldn't say, I hate you and you're horrible, but I see that you're doing the best that you can and you're just trying. No, the five-year-old is going to kick and scream and throw a fit and feel like the world is unjust and they would not stop until they're done and then they would probably feel a lot better and go to sleep <laughs> and that's the same type of energy we want to channel with this journal speak she says if we do not let ourselves feel the natural anger sadness shame and fear in life we're likely to feel physical pain and conditions when you write you can write about the present you can let it jump around to times in your past, especially revisiting times in your childhood when you had similar feelings. She suggests you do journal speak for 20 minutes a day of writing and then destroy it or delete it. It's like going to the bathroom or blowing your nose. You're not trying to save any of what you produced. <laughs> you're getting it out and then you're flushing it. You're throwing it away. And then after the writing, she suggests a 10-minute loving-kindness meditation. Hands on your heart, thinking about that inner child, accepting him or her, feeling compassion, maybe even embracing the inner child, really understanding that it's okay to have those emotions, and giving attention to that five-year-old that just wants to be heard and seen and understood. Nicole Sachs and John Sarno suggest when starting out to list three columns, one for childhood, the present, and one for personality traits, and list all of the potential subjects that you might want to do this journal speak about. The personality traits that are highly correlated with chronic pain and disease are perfectionism. Nicole Sachs says perfectionism is self-loathing. Other personality traits are people-pleasing, being a goodist, wanting people to see you for a good person no matter what, and being codependent, where you only feel okay if other people feel okay. 
notice those tendencies in yourself, not as character flaws, but as coping skills that you developed as a child. Realize that most people who have chronic pain are big feelers, people who are emotional or a little more sensitive, and there's not anything wrong with that. I think that we are special. It can be one of the extra senses that we have when we tune into it. You may look back through your life and realize that you've always been a little bit more emotional, a big feeler. Going through this process is how you unravel what is going on that's causing your pain, what you are repressing, what you don't yet understand about yourself. We're doing this with compassion and acceptance because the desire to be different is perceived in the nervous system as fear. I'm going to say that again. The desire to be different is perceived by the nervous system as fear. So those emotions of wanting, feeling not enough, that adds to the reservoir of the repressed emotions that we have. This process helps you acknowledge who you are and accept yourself fully, all of the parts of you. Transformation begins with the radical acceptance of what is right now. The beautiful thing is when you start to understand these patterns and yourself at this deeper level, you're able to resolve some of these issues so that you're not projecting them onto your future and onto people around you. You become integrated when you accept that inner child. An integrated person sees the inner child for what he or she is with acceptance and understanding, and then can tune into his or her higher self. The higher self is the part of you that does things effortlessly, that's not afraid, that's at peace. It's where things are neutral, things are natural. It's where you're in the flow. Nicole says, the higher self knows everything is always changing and always moving from perfection to perfection. The more you acknowledge the inner child, you have more access to the higher self. You become integrated, and an integrated person does not feel chronic pain. If you listen to my other podcasts, this process sounds a lot like what I've called pen vent. I describe something very similar, except with 10 minutes for writing and 5 minutes for breathing with the hand on the heart. John Sarno described something very similar, but would prescribe people do the journaling 30 minutes twice a day. The fact is there's no magic number. We often want quick fixes or for someone to outline for us, do these steps one through five, and this is how you'll be healed. So realize that this is a personal process. There is room to make it yours and to use your intuition. If you're used to not trusting your body, this can sound really hard, but look at the resistance you have towards it as a sign that you need to go in there. The only way out is through. One day you might write 10 minutes and another 40. 10 minutes might be too short for you. But when you have pain, consistency is the key. Showing up every day for that inner child, then you will develop this relationship of trust. If you will honor and validate those emotions, you will not ignore or leave that inner child there alone. And in a more sciencey sounding way, It is rewiring your brain to go to a mode of rest and repair instead of being in constant fight or flight. 
every time you do this journal speak process, it's like taking a ladle and scooping out some of those repressed emotions out of your emotional reservoir. So that lowers the level, so those emotions are not spilling over and causing your brain and nervous system to produce the pain. Now remember, resistance to this work is normal. You won't want to do this. You will want to avoid your emotions. Maybe you will not think of it that way, but you'll think, I'm too busy, or I have too much going on today. Maybe you're afraid that once you open the floodgates of anger or rage or despair, that they will never close, that those emotions will overwhelm you and overtake you. Like if you allow the rage, you'll become a chronically angry person. But really, it's not like that at all. You're just giving yourself some space and some time to acknowledge and feel these emotions and to clear them out. By letting them arise on the page, you're not seeping out anger throughout your day on the people around you. And you're not having cause to create this pain to distract you. Remember, the resistance will come. The resistance is TMS, a way of avoiding your emotions. But this work is your path to freedom. The last part is patience and kindness. I want to say this is the hardest, but really, they're all the hardest, (laughs) in my opinion. Sometimes the belief is the hardest. Sometimes doing the work is the hardest. And definitely, patience and kindness can be unimaginably hard. Partially, this is because our brains are programmed to have a negativity bias. And a lot of us have personality traits like perfectionism where we feel like we always need to be doing better and it should happen faster and it should be easier and we shouldn't struggle with things so much. But all this is doing is creating more fear and ultimately more pain. I've experienced this this year. I've talked about in my podcast about my struggles and my successes that earlier this year when I was transitioning into being more public about doing this work and becoming a lot more vulnerable about it, I did have return of some of my ulcerative colitis symptoms, which gave me a lot of fear. And I had a lot of thoughts about maybe this doesn't work. Maybe I'm not able to help people. I was just fooling myself. Who am I to try to help people when I'm not totally healed? But what Nicole told me when I asked her about it this weekend was that this work is never done. We have layers that we're just constantly peeling back like an onion, but this is how we constantly expand. This is how we bring about those changes that are truly trying to come forth in our lives. This is how we evolve to our best selves. We need to remember that the process is messy. Healing is not linear. (laughs) It's not a straight line. There are times that we might feel like we're going backwards. But she used this analogy of a video game where it's like if you get to level five and you die on the video game, you only go back to the beginning of level five. You don't go all the way back to the beginning of level one. I think of the process of a caterpillar changing to a butterfly. And when it's in that chrysalis stage, it's basically this cocoon of goopy, slimy mess of muck. (laughs) It's disgusting and it looks horrible and it doesn't look anything like a beautiful butterfly, but that's just the process. 
And sometimes that's the process that we're in when we're healing and changing. When we have cognitive dissonance, when we've believed something for a very long time and we try to believe new thoughts, it can be messy. It can be ugly. It can be physically and emotionally painful. So just remember, patience and kindness, patience and kindness for yourself. So, so important. I like to remember that these old thought patterns are going to keep coming up and not to be surprised if I continue to feel overwhelmed or wanting to control things or being a perfectionist or anger or fear. I try to remind myself not to think, oh, I thought I was over that. This is so frustrating. And to beat myself up about what comes up. Nicole says, you're not responsible for your first thought but you are responsible for your second. So when those old thoughts come up, press pause. Notice that they're there. Notice with indifference. It's not a big deal. There they are again. That's funny. That's interesting. That's curious. She often says, replace fear with curiosity. And the more we do this, we are sending the signal back to our brain. This is okay. We don't have to fear. Like a light switch, we're switching from fight or flight to rest and repair. And that is when we can heal. She says the choices we make and the mindsets we embrace are so important. So if we have a tendency towards perfectionism, really look at how that is affecting your life. She says when we choose perfectionism, we also choose pain. So recognizing that we have these thoughts recognizing that we tend to want to repress these emotions is so important. But Nicole Sachs also says life is a behavior modification program. You cannot just think your way into better feelings. You must act your way. She says action is the most powerful tool against our natural resistance. When we show up for ourselves and do what we resist, we build trust. When we trust ourselves, the power of resistance is less and less. Doing this work is like building a muscle. You don't go to the gym for 13 hours once and then expect to be ripped and to never have to do it again. This is a process of consistency. Remember, patience and kindness for yourself along the way. The desire to be different than you are is perceived by the brain and the nervous system as fear. She says there's no pushing the river. Another quote I hear her say a lot is life is a choice between what hurts and what hurts worse. Because doing this work can be hard. It can feel excruciating. But what hurts or what hurts worse? This is the path to your freedom. She says if we call out the reason why the pain is sticking around, then it doesn't have a reason to stick around. When we go into the dark, it leads to the light. When we go into the physical pain, into the body, It decreases it. You go further along your path when you stay here than when you turn and run. This is the way we train the brain and nervous system that it's okay, that we don't need to fear, that we accept all of ourselves, even the ugly and the shameful and the angry parts. And that's how we can switch from fight or flight to rest and repair. And that is where we will heal. She says, today is the first day of anything you want. So is tomorrow, so is the next day. So don't give up, don't be frustrated, don't get overwhelmed. In each moment, just ask yourself, 
what is the next right considered action? So it may be making your bed. It may be going for a walk. It may be getting a glass of water. You don't have to know the whole process and how it's going to go. She says when you're fixated on the future, it causes anxiety. And when you're fixated on the past, it causes depression. So flow with that river, practice patience and kindness along the way, and this is how you grow and change and evolve into the person you are to become. She says, you are already well. Now you just need to heal. Thank you, Nicole Sachs, for teaching me so much. If you're interested in her podcast, it's called The Cure for Chronic Pain, and you can find her on Instagram and YouTube. And I'm so grateful I had the opportunity to interact with her this weekend. She's truly an inspiration to me, and I hope she will be to you too. Remember, if you want to reach me, you can send me a question or comment or request for coaching to info at bodyandmindlifecoach.com or find me on Instagram and message me there, bodyandmindlifecoach. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned a little bit about your brain today that helps you in your life like it helped me. Please be sure and subscribe and leave a review. And of course, be sure and share this podcast with someone you know that wants an unstoppable body and mind.